Before we open up for a roundtable discussion, um, as part of this revised format, we wanted to give the opportunity to a discussant each time to bring together the themes and focus our discussion. So it's with great honor that I now request Dr. Khalid to address us for no more than 10 minutes, inshallah. Uh, MashaAllah, we are grateful uh, to the both of the respected scholars and the speakers and who undertook hard labor to prepare despite academic papers covering all. And as you know, this uh, convention of Saqifa, Saqifa Bani Saida, that was a meeting uh, where the first caliph, Hazrat Abu Bakr, who he was elected, and that was the meeting which paved the way for a great development in the history of Islam. At the later stage, uh, these developments resulted into the permanent division and discord within the Muslim Ummah, uh, predominantly Sunnis and Shias. Uh, let me remind you all audience here actually, uh, during the session of Q uh, question and answers, and uh, you have to be associated with the areas of concerns regarding your questions. Now I'm going to demarcate for you the areas to help you because as <laughs> we have felt <laughs> from the previous experience, so many questions, you know, never related to the proper area. And we have to complete our subject and the topic properly here. For example, uh, <clears throat> the point, the style and the abnormality of this meeting, this is very important question should be here. It was very sudden secret meeting and the Ansar, not all, all of the Ansar, the prominent members of the Ansar assembled there and they never wanted, invited any member of Banu Hashim, never knew about uh, what you call uh, Muhajirun. So later on, three or four Muhajir, they associated the meeting, right? So this shows abnormality. So uh, do the sources expose what the situation was behind them, this is related to why the situation was not normal, abnormal. That was the secret meeting. This is the area very important for you to ask the question. Then the validity of the convention, this meeting, only some prominent members, few Muhajir, rest of the community is there, while the agenda was to elect the leadership next to the Holy Prophet, that was quite sacred. But that was the Mansabur Risala on behalf of the Holy Prophet. But that was, and there was lengthy arguments and uh, uh, was, uh, discussions. So this is, you know, how far is it valid? Then <clears throat> the argument itself, this is another area for you asking the question, concentrating on the Ansar's their argument was based on the services to Islam, while Muhajirin and their stance was based on the relationship, close relationship to the Holy Prophet, right? So that was the criteria, right? This is another uh, area uh, to be touched uh, with. And uh, then another point, absence of Banu Hashim from the meeting, obviously, this meeting or this gathering was called to elect someone as the leader next to the Holy Prophet, right, as Rahmatullil Alameen. But the family of the Prophet or the tribe of the Holy Prophet, they were not invited in other area 
should be touched and you know ask and discuss here another very important point interesting al aima min al quraish stated by uh, sayyidina abu bakr siddiq radhiyallahu ta'ala anhu the aima the leaders must be from the quraish what how far was it accepted by the rest of the ansar you know was be really elected or al aima min al quraish or discord within os and khazraj suddenly you know that started this is another area to be you know uh, discussed and looked into then another important point the bear of imam ali you know did he do bear or what was the nature of his bear reconciliation as sheikh hadi he stated or there is confusion or dispute among even shias as well this is the area and especially why did he delay what had why had he delayed in terms of his bear for 6 months or so on Uh, so these are the areas of discussion your questions and the answers must be revolving around it and the question should be very precise and the answer should be precise and the short as well due to the the, the, the time factor thank you very much that's all from uh, from me uh, may allah give you great jaza sheikh umar ramadan santum okay so bismillah arrahman arrahim So now we will have a roundtable discussion. Yeah, we hope we have everybody. Alhamdulillah, has run to time, so we have opportunity for questions and comments. And um, I can already see people asking me to give them the opportunity. Okay, but I have to request that um, we keep our comments short so that we have maximum opportunity. And hopefully, we'll have opportunity to speak more than once. Okay, and um, from all those who can contribute, inshallah. So I'll ask very kindly. that we keep our comments and interventions short and um questions for discussion yeah so um i can see i want to just get a sense of the the breadth of people who are asking uh-huh. now because shekh arif is looking straight at me i have a problem you see <laughs> yes. yeah okay yeah but I, i will start to encourage we have had limited female participation in these meetings so to encourage participation i'll give our sister the first opportunity but please to keep them short whether um, you know they belong to um the Banu Hashim or not but what about we as as in we learned that the, the people the very early people they were touched by the personality of the prophet and the Quran heavily emphasizes on the personal um in, in terms of the personal deeds and beliefs and excellence and um and that on the day of judgment there will be nobody with you except you be answering for your deeds and so the point being that the excellence in terms of and the merit of the person which would have for me was the most important part of it which to me is did take place but i did, it didn't seem to be highlighted which was i think by both the participants of ali and the other group they highlighted who deserves this the merit in, in in terms of their personal character um and excellence and i think 
that to me is is the um, what we get from the Quranic teachings. It's not based upon hasib and nasib. Um, it's it's based upon your your personal qualities of leadership. Are you able to do that? And I, I um, you know, it is quite alarming in a way to hear that a lot of the discussions showed the weakness of people, as in general, that we see today. Um, whereas those people were touched by the prophet, prophet himself and his personality, and yet it's very ordinary. Oh, thank you. I think that's an um, excellent comment and maybe something which both could respond to, saying that what was was the fadila of the leader a major point of discussion? Because I think both in the, uh, the Shia context and in the Sunni context more generally, we hear about it being a discussion about who was afdal. But in this discussion of Saqifah, was that the point of discussion? Please. <coughs> Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. I think you are right uh, according to this discussion that uh, uh, both parties they were presenting themselves but in reality the qualities uh, should be a Muslim leader uh, which are shown in, in, in the teachings of Islam in the Quran and the Hadith. If you see all these qualities we can see in Abu Bakr we can see in Ali radiallahu ta'ala no, we can see in Omar, in, we can see in Usman radiallahu ta'ala no, those were elected one by one. But here, but here if you see, uh, this was the, this is from the history, that, that is fact, that the people, they discussed all these things. And in the end, uh, in my presentation, I, I present this, that, that one of the hadith of the person, Al-Aimmatu min Quraysh. When this hadith was presented, in front of these people, everybody was quiet. And that is why when Abu Bakr know, he was elected, people accepted him. Santam, thank you. Um, wait, I think we have to. Just to, just to quickly touch upon uh, that point as well is that, first of all, the Shia response is a response to the arguments that were made. Nine arguments for, because they don't believe that it's a decision that's up to the community. So that's, it's decided through God. How do we find out? That's a separate discussion. Mm -hmm. Secondly, even within the discussions, no one of the companions told the other companion, you do not have the moral traits, to, so you can't hold up this. So everyone there accepted that the people there were of a caliber, that they morally were able to take that position. There was nothing that any one of them saw problematic morally amongst each other, in, because they didn't make the argument, but you, for example, um, God forbid, don't fast, or you're not strict with your prayers, or you're not good with people, or you're, um, you know, you're rude, or whatever have you. They didn't make these arguments about one another, so that shows us the feelings and sentiments that the companions, even when they didn't want, want the other person to become a leader, that they didn't attack their characteristics. So the char character was already there. It was a given that the character has to be there. And then, okay, other than the character, what else should we look for? Um, that seems to have been the sort of, and this is extracted just from the conversations that were happening and what was not said, not only what was said and what was not said. So I do think that they did care about that. Maybe it needed to be highlighted more. The Shia position is that definitely it needed to be highlighted more and someone who is the best of the Muslims should have that position. Um, but amongst the people that were present there, they did not see any problem in the individuals themselves. Although they did prefer the first caliph Abu Bakr over 
uh, of the companion of Aida or the second caliph, uh, Umar to be the caliph. So when they were presented, uh, when sure. the first caliph himself presented the other two, they and they for themselves said, no, you are more deserving. And then the people were more willing to give. So this shows that even within them, uh, within them, the position of some of them were higher than others. So they were looking at characteristics, but definitely there could have been more focus on that. The discussion could have been more focused on that. Thank you. Okay, um, Sheikh Omar Wadan and Sheikh Arif. Oh, <clears throat> Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Jazakallah khair both esteemed scholars for presenting uh, your findings. I just want to say a few things, and, and this is continuing on what the sister said about Hasab and Nasab. The, the predominant view within Ahl Sunnah uh, is that uh, the condition of being a leader is not dependent upon Abdaliya, Tafdeel. <clears throat> That's totally rejected. Some Sunni scholars use that as an argument. But it's clearly rejected by Imam al-Haramain, al-Ghazali, all of them in the Usul books. Clearly state that when they have the tartib that Abu Bakr is Abdul then Umar, Thumma Uthman, Thumma Ali, they said this was based upon the, the fadail. It has nothing to do with leadership, nor can it be related to uh, a physical leadership. But one point which is very interesting is the two reasons that the Sheikh gave was the close relationship that the Quraysh had, the Muhajirin had, with the Prophet I find this to be quite contradictory. Why? Because if it was about close relationship, why wasn't Banu Hashim there? Because we know from the Muhajirun, the most closest person to the Prophet without any doubt was Imam Ali alayhi salam. This is mentioned by Majma Zawaid. This is mentioned by the Hadith by Nama Amir Bashir in which uh, Aisha radiallahu anha said that, uh, that, that you, love my, you love Ali more than my father and you give preference to Khatija over me. There's no doubt from all the companions, the Prophet was the most closest who he was physically, emotionally, uh, spiritually was with Imam Ali. So that argument that the leader can only be uh, of close relationship, why wasn't Banu Hashim there? Why wasn't Imam Ali involved in the, in, in the consultation? Another point to say this, uh, this concept of is it, is it an ijma'ah? This is a big argument with Allah Hassan, which I find very flawed. There's no ijma'ah on this at all, because simply because Sa'ad bin Ubaidah did not give bayah. It's clearly mentioned by, uh, by, by the Aimma. Qadi Abu Bakr al-Baqilani in his Manaqib al-Limatul Arba says clear that uh, Sa'ad radiallahu anhu refused to give bayah and said, even if you kill me, I will not give bayah. And when he met Umar, when Umar radiallahu anhu became the Khalifa and he was leaving and both met each other, he uh, debated with Umar and he actually said, let's put it in a nice simple way, that you will not qualify to be the leader and for that reason, I'm leaving Medina and I'm going to move to Syria. And he moved to Syria. So I find this argument that, uh, even though I am from Ahl Sunnah, that this argument that people put forward that it's based upon tafdeel, greatness, is another point. Sayyidina Abu Bakr was from Quraysh, but he was from which tribe? Banu Thayn. Mm. Now it's clearly amongst the books of Nasab and Hasab, it was the low caste of the Quraysh. It was from the lowest caste of the Quraysh. So uh, that argument, how could he be involved in that. Uh, another uh, point I'll be very quickly is no, uh, the Prophet prayed behind Abu Bakr. This was an ishara. This is mentioned by many Sunni modern muarraqeen. I reject this. Why? Because that prayer was mujbur, was adururi. Why? Because the Prophet was ill. The illat of it, the ill of the hukum is that he was ill. 
he, you know, he, that's why he appointed Abu Bakr Why did he appoint Imam Ali? Very clear. Baqilani uh, says because he, Ali had killed the majority of the people's parents and family members. Another point to mention is that if praying behind someone was a condition that he is great and he deserves leadership, then I reject this point because the Prophet did not pray behind Sayyidina Abu Bakr. That's clearly mentioned in Bukhari mentions that the Prophet prayed with him. Ibn Hisham says he prayed behind him, which is a very weak narration. But we have the hadith from, uh, and I'll finish off with this, Abu Dawood and Ibn Majah, that uh, Abdurrahman ibn Auf led the prayer. The Prophet ﷺ came and prayed behind him without any reason behind it. So the, using these as arguments of su substantiating that he is a leader, I, I, I think is, is a very injustice. And I do believe a massive injustice was done to Imam Ali on this issue. That he should have been part of the consultation. And as Sunni ulama have mentioned this clearly, mm -hmm. Sayyid Yusuf al-Rifa'i wrote a book saying that the, the, the issue of Khilafah is Daniya and they should have gone to Imam Ali. These are just my observations. There's many more things I want to say. Shukran, uh, time, uh, I think they are very, very powerful and important and welcome interventions. I don't know if our speakers want to yeah, respond okay. briefly. Yeah, okay. yeah any? We no? agree. <laughs> Check Arif, please. Thank you for both the present uh, presentation, wonderful, and uh, all the contributions made by way of comments. I just have to talk um, with what the sister and uh, my dear Sheikh said that there is a historical account of Safifa, and there is a lot of theology spun around it. This theological these theologies seems, seem to be invalid. When we look at the event of Safifa, we find a group of people gathering, and they did not unanimously converge upon a leader. In fact, there was a row. There was a fight. People got injured in Safifa. These Sahaba of the Prophet were human to the core. The Quran tells us this. The Quran talks about the disobedience of the Sahaba. It talks about giving punishment to the Sahaba, cutting their hands off. So I think this fanciful theology that we have in our mind, that's the first thing that needs to be addressed because it is skewing our thinking. So Safifa had no sacredness about it. The other thing is this, that we also have this understanding in Safifa that the Ansar said that if Ali was here, we would have given the vote to Ali because he was the favored one of the Prophet. We have this in our texts as well, the Sunni texts. The other thing that Safifa brings to question is that the great failure of the Blessed Prophet himself, that why could he not foresee this event? For a great mind like the Prophet, who talks about the triumph of Rome after it's been vanquished, or who can give us the signs of the hereafter. Why could he not foresee an event like Sakifa? By looking at the history of Sakifa, we can see it was mismanaged and there were blunders that were made. And I think we need to admit to that, all of us. Now the other issue is this, that if we can not substantiate that the Prophet is appointed a appointed a Khalifa, then no matter how flawed the method was in Safifa, the legitimacy of Abu Bakr's Khilafah cannot be questioned. 
especially if Imam Ali later on pledged allegiance. Now even if we say that Imam Ali did not pledge allegiance, we find in Mufid's books that Imam Ali addresses Khalifa Umar as Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen. And that was a designation for a Khalifa at the time of Khalifa Umar, because he chose it for himself. In any case, the problem that the Shias are having is that if they were to say that Imam Ali pledged allegiance to Abu Bakr, it means that Imam Ali is accepting the excellence of Abu Bakr over him. That is not the case, because Bayha simply meant that the person will not politically oppose the Khalifa. That's all it meant. It's not talking about any Abdaliya. Because if the Abdaliya case was to be taken, then why didn't Abu Bakr or Umar or anybody say in Safifa that the Prophet has said, I am the best of people after him? Why didn't Khalifa Abu Bakr say that the Prophet prayed behind me? None of these arguments are there in Safifa. None of the first two Khalifas ever placed any hadith there in front of the congregation that the Prophet is saying that I am the best person after him. So Bayah does not mean accepting the Abdaliya, the spiritual or moral excellence of the person to whom you are giving Bayah to. It just says it's a political leader. That's it. So even if the method is flawed, we cannot question the legitimacy of the Khalifa who is then subsequently a Khalifa after the flawed method, provided there is no opposition, an armed opposition to remove him. Another note that I would like to make to the Shias, and I would want responses for this. I mean, in terms of the Bayah, Imam Ali says in his khutbah in Shafiya that again, said, Rabbi is quoting said Murtada's brother who said he did not pay allegiance. He said that Talha and Zubair paid allegiance to me and now they have broken the allegiance and taken up arms against me. So Bayah simply meant to not to take up arms against or non-political opposition. I would like to say to the Shia argument here as well, the first is to the Sunni that there was no Abdaliya to a Khalifa Bakr, Omar or Rahman or Imam Ali. That's for sure according to the Khalifa story. Secondly, to the Shias, that if you are saying that if the Imams were the rightful Khalifas and none of these problems would have come into Islam, then the Shias need to look into the whole history of Imamat. There was conflict at every instance of who would be the next Imam. The children of Imam Hassan said they are the Imams. Imamat should come from them. And the children of Imam Hussein said that the Imamat should come from them. And then after Imam Zainul Abidin, there was further conflict. After Imam Sadiq, there was further conflict. After Imam Musa Kazim, there was further conflict. So on and so forth. So I find that if we look at history on its own, and we can dispel these fanciful theologies around it, maybe we can come to a better understanding that the Khalifa can be a Khalifa, the Abdaliya can be for somebody else. I would like some responses there as well. Thank you so much. So, we have uh, many comments here and questions. Say it, Fatimi. Thank you for your presentation. Uh, my simple question is why these people are gathering in Sahifa anyway? Because the simple reply by majority of Muslims, Sunni brothers, because Rasulullah did not appoint anyone as his successor. Otherwise, why should people come gathering for Salifah 
discussing something. Then why he did not appoint someone as his successor? There are four, four possibilities, and I cannot think of this possibility. Possibility number one, possibly he did not see anything relevant to the religion, to the Risale. It's something temporal, worldly, has nothing to do with him. And Imama to him also was accidental. This is the theme of Ali Abdul Razak, graduate of Al-Azhar, later attacked by most of the Al-Azhar colleagues that was talking about. Well, this is a serious thing that Rasulullah himself was not a caliph, was not an imam, he was Nabi, and he didn't think that these things had anything to do with Risala and prophethood. That is possibility number one. Possibility number two, he saw it for himself. Muslim did not see this position for him. Who are you to appoint anyone as a caliph? You were prophet, you did your job, finished. Now it's something else. We need to find out our own uh, caliph or imam. So it was Muslim who did not such a position for Rasulullah. Many of the Sunni Shia reformists have this, you know, thought that yeah, it's not up to Rasulullah to appoint any leader for anyone. So even if he appointed, it was like a, suggesting a candidate. For example, Sharia, he possibly would go that line. That he was suggesting a candidate, and the same one. Rasulullah was suggesting Imam Ali as a candidate, as the best candidate. Otherwise, he did not have such a normative authority to appoint a successor. That is possibility number two. Possibility number three was, Sheikh Arif rightly said, he, he appointed someone, he said, this is my successor, but people were disobedient. And people did not follow him. According a very authentic hadith by Imam Sadat, ertadda al-nas ba'da Rasulullah illa thalat aw arba' and asked why illa thalat aw, what is our business? Three or four, he said, for Ammar, Ammar also doubted for a second. So after Rasulullah, it was Abu Zar, Salman, Megdad. Ammar, for a few seconds, he doubted the situation and he corrected himself. No, it was Imam Ali. So the rest of people disobeyed. This Ertadda means this, they disobeyed the will of Rasulullah in following Imam Ali. This is possibility number two, number three, orthodox Shia position. Possibility number four, uh, he, although he see himself as a caliph, but he saw that, okay, after me, people must decide for themselves. It's not up to me to appoint the caliph. I was the caliph, I was the imam, I was the leader, I was the political leader of the community, but after me, it's not my business, they can find themselves. Then Sunni brothers, if they go for this possibility, which many of the Salafis and reformists and modern Sunnis are going for it, they would reply then why Abu Bakr appointed his successor. Then why the second caliph appointed the council to to electing the leader. 
That is why I see if you question why people are coming in the Sakifa from the beginning. And these four possibilities, which we need to think which might be, it has a huge political implication mm. if we... So, yeah, shukran jazeera. So I think that... Uh, you know, um, we haven't had a response from the last two comments from our speakers. But again, if we package that last comment by Sayyid Fatimi to questioning, bringing us back to one of our points of disfocus mm-hmm. about the nature of the meeting of Sakifa, what were they thinking they were doing at that time? You know, mm-hmm. and maybe this is a question which came up both in Sheikh Arif's comment. You know, what was the nature of the agreement which was made there? I don't know if our speakers want to respond. Uh, let me clarify one. Uh, uh, some brothers, they just uh, joined us today or very lately, uh, like Sheikh Fatimi. We had already discussed in detail and we did have some sessions on Hadith Tirtas, almost three sessions. And we have discussed already all these points in detail. And also, we had the good session on Hadith uh, Asakalain and also Ghadir Khum. So, did Nabi appoint any leader or not in detail the both? So today we are not going to repeat the same thing. We have to concentrate on the developments of Saqifa and historically. We had already discussed. That's why I'm sorry for our brother, uh, mashallah, we have to welcome Dawood Bon, Sister Amra Bon. They are here with us. But we already, you know, discussed all, uh, you raised some points because for the last Five years, about five years, we are having all these sessions, and Alhamdulillah, today this is only Saqifa and the account of the Saqifa and the point related to Saqifa should be asked and discussed. So, if we could focus the questions and comments on the nature of the meeting of Saqifa, the question of the bay'ah, yeah, the um, implications of this meeting, to what does it suggest about the society more generally at the time? Okay, and also the question of, as we discussed, yeah, Imam Ali's relationship as a result of this meeting. Abbas. First of all, thank you very, very much for your presentation. I wanted to phrase my question by first giving a perspective, which is given that the Quran, in the case of Musa and Harun and many other perspectives, highlights that multiple prophets existed at any one point in time, and the key being the point in time. Uh, my question is, in a sustainable system, having one leader is one single point of failure, right? So, and given all of the conflicts highlighted by Sheikh Arif, if given the benefit of hindsight that we have today, that both Shiite perspectives and Sunni perspectives caused conflict, my question is, why do both of you in both of your presentations, if I've understood them correctly, make the assumption that having more than one leader would cause fitna. And therefore, if we can have more than one leader at any given point in time, surely then that just allows us to redesign our governance framework very, very differently for the upcoming future than to debate this constant issue through 1400 years of time, because the effort expended in debate would be rather pointless. Please. <clears throat> so, either uh, one okay, of you. Yeah. So, just to so start on off some of the points, one of the discussions about, one of the points about looking in hindsight, the fact is we can't judge the Shia opinion um, 
fairly at all or say that it was proven historically incorrect or to uh, not be consistent because the Shias never actually, the Shia Imams didn't come into power and hold that position for us to then judge whether there was actually conflict during the time and should ha they have been leading the nation, would there have been the same amount or even any amount of bloodshed within the nation? We're talking about problems within the nation. So we can't actually judge for the majority of the Shia Imams whether these problems would have existed. Even for Imam Ali, we cannot judge through his during his time um, how effective his leadership would have been if he had been the first caliph because now he's facing 25 years of um, instance events, everything that had happened, 25 years of history of what the caliphate had done, right? What people had experienced from the caliphate. So even his caliphate, we can't use to judge how he may have been, how he may have acted and dealt with had he been caliph from day one. That's one. That's a discussion regarding the regarding whether there should be one leader or not. Um, first of all, we have to look at the dynamics of the Arabic society back then. Is that even something that the Arabs back then could have envisioned or seen? particularly those in that area. Um, obviously, it was some of them could see it because they did mention it. The reply of the second caliph was to this was, a very, and it, he used a local term that every, he used a, for, uh, what should I say, he used an idiom that everyone there was able to understand. He said, can two swords be put into one? <laughs> and then this is something that everyone, so no one refuted him after that, said, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So we see that this was not, the community will there was not that it should be such. And this is something, um, and the idea of whether the... Now, we're not talking about two caliphs for the whole, for, for example, for different cities, we're talking about two caliphs for the whole Muslim Ummah. That would literally mean one caliph, for example, uh, unless they were doing, they were discussing with each other, then we'd have to change the meaning of caliphate. Is the caliph the person who rules in a particular way, or is the caliph because... Um, we might even see through the different caliphs, different styles of rulership and leadership. Just not to say that it couldn't work. It's just to say that it wasn't something which was common or something which was um, seen as a very likely possibility. Particularly if we consider why we mentioned that not even all of the Ansar were there. And amongst the Ansar that were there, there were different factions. There were factions that, you, for example, the Aus and the Khadraj, their allegiance that was given on that day was based on one another rather than the general situation, they didn't want one, for example, the reading of the Shia is that the both part, two parties did not want the other party to become more in favor of the next possible ruler. Or, for example, there were people within the Ansar that were lenient toward um, Imam Ali. And this is what Sheikh Raza Muzaffar mentions in his book on Saqifah, that actually there were people that and they, we have in historical sources, some people that mention, why should we not then choose Ali? Why should we not then select Ali? His name was mentioned in Saqifah, actually, according to some accounts. He was even advised to come. Someone had gone in and told him, and he said, no, I'm busy with uh, the burial rites. So, yes, it's one of the things that we have to think about when discussing this is particularly the environment then, discussing why didn't the Prophet do it in a way that he could have forced, you know, he foresaw, he put up a structure that would have worked 200 years down the line. That's a discussion that can be had. Um, but I'm not sure exactly what it will solve with the issue of Saqifa. Um, and then the discussion, one really important discussion, I think, um, which really comes out of this discussion is, is Khilaf and Imam the same things? Did the Prophet, if he was giving any sort of fadila to Imam Ali, even in terms of being a point of reference, was it a point of reference in terms of 
a spiritual point of reference or was it a point of reference for political? That's something that can be debated. Um, and I'll leave for the comments too. Yes, personally, uh, I think as a ground reality, it was uh, uh, more difficult because electing one Khalifa was so difficult than electing, you know, two Khalifas as a ground reality, like the Ansar, the one from Ansar, one from Hajir, then Ansar could say, you know, one from Os, one from Khazraj. You see, it was more difficult. That's why I think that, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved them to just elect one Khalifa. So I've seen a few people have already indicated to me. So I start with Sheikh Abu Jafar, and then I'm coming here. Then you. I think the. I just want to point out the the reason why Ansar they they have taken that uh, stance of going to Sakifa and Banisaida. I think historically there were some grievances uh, of Ansar against the Muhajir. The Muhajir were mostly bullying the Ansar most of the time, uh, the Meccans, uh, until when the Battle of Hunayn, if you remember, uh, the whole Prophet has to give a lot of body and spoils of war to the Muhajir, and the Ansar were complaining. And the whole Prophet has to speak to Ansar that you have done this, you have done this, you have done this. And uh, those Muhajir, they are just came to Islam and they are like that, they get attacked. And you are not like that. You remember all of this uh, story. Also, the Holy Prophet, when he found out that uh, the Ansar were bullied in Medina after the group of Muhajir and after the conquest of Mecca, he said, So, just to give the Ansar a boost of, of the reality of their contribution in Islam. So when the Holy Prophet died, who was the only person to defend the Ansar, as human beings, as Sheikh Arif has said, they are all human beings, they were scared. And they thought that if they, they choose the, their own leader, it would be appropriate for them. And the reality say that, historically, that when Abu Bakr was a Caliph, and then Umar, and then Osman, the Ansar actually, most of them, they were out of governorship. When Ali came to power, he took about more than 175 Ansar as governors. So, and he took most of them from those who fought Badr and Uhud and others. The leader of Ansar, he put them in the, in the governorship, in his, in his uh, leadership. So we'll find difference here between Ali and other Caliph when they deal with Ansar. And the point that uh, Sha'ari was saying that the whole Prophet did actually foresee all of this. He said in the hadith narrated by Ahmad bin Hanbal in his Musnad that if you elect Abu Bakr, it's going to be so and so. <coughs> if you elect Umar, it's going to be so and so. If you elect Ali and Wala Arakum Annakum Fa'ileen, I'm not seeing you that you will do that. He says, but he will guide you in a straight path. So he did say it actually, and he knew that the companions will, do, will not do that. So the Saqifa has a lot of implications, especially if we look prior to that, like the Aqaba, for example. Why the companions seek to kill their own messenger? So we didn't, we didn't search on this, we didn't talk about this, but it is very important. I think the incident of Aqaba is very important before we discuss about Saqifa. Thank you very much. Do you guys want to say? No, any comment? 
Brother Idrisha, then Brother Taymur. Um, Asalaamu Alaikum. I'm not a scholar, but just just uh, having been someone who sat in a shura and been involved in meetings where lots of different people come together to to actually elect a leader or to make any decision, I just wanted to come back to: uh, Are there any uh, examples in the Sira of Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi whereby consultation, the shura, was actually defined? Hmm. Or was, we have a concept of quorum, hmm. so a small number from the shura can be given the authority to make decisions by which others will then accept. Hmm. So I'm just interested that the fact that Hazrat Umar, Hazrat uh, Abu Bakr, they were present hmm. and they were there in that capacity, would, would there any direction being taken from their authority in that circumstance that any decision that they either proposed or they uh, that they made would have had more authority than somebody else proposing something. Mm-hmm. Right. Awesome. I think that's a good question. That's a really good question. Yeah. Um, um, just to make a quick point here, and this is, like this is a repeated theme I think in uh, a lot of the conversations that have happened here. What's important in is not only what was said, but also what was not said. So for, and we saw a few people have made this point. What arguments did these people make that were present? And what arguments did they not make? That part of it is just as important. Um, and when it comes to, for example, did anyone there actually mention that this is how we should pick a Khalifa? It literally seems that as if everyone there was not aware of how this should go about. One person, even the person who had convened the meeting, Sa'ad, he didn't immediately suggest himself, they suggested him. Um, he said, this is the problem, we need a solution. There was no clear-cut guidance and no clear-cut understanding even amongst the people. So not only were they, does it seem that not only did not think that it was clear who the Khalifa should be, so it wasn't clear for them who the Khalifa should be, hence the gathering, it was also not clear how the Khalifa should be selected and hence the idea of going back and forth with one another. Um, and I think that actually one of the positive things that Saqifa does show us, one of the things that gives us a little bit of hope, was the idea, and um, Sheikh has mentioned a few times, that you know, when an argument was made, an explicit argument, at least what the historical sources tell us that, okay, then that, the file for that or the folder for that discussion was closed. Okay, we will no longer try and use this argument. That's been solved by this narration. Okay, ne- why don't we try this solve? Another point given there, people accept, if, there was a, if they thought it was logical, they accepted it. But they had no clear-cut vision of how they're about to execute this, how this is going to happen, what should really take place. So this is not an answer, this is more of a um, trying to understand exactly what was happening. And it was a very, very vulnerable time for uh, the whole community, regardless of what denomination they became later. Those early days were very vulnerable and we can see that in the discussions within Saqifa and the discussions that the companions had with one another after Saqifa. Sure. <coughs> okay, um, but the is also waiting. and then Mufti Sal. Comment. In my humble um, opinion, I think the main gathering of the Satifa was to disobey Prophet Not for the first time in the history, so many times they disobeyed Prophet Let's be honest about it. In uh, 
one other point is, you know, with Quran, we have to read the whole Quran to come to a conclusion, to decide yeah. this way or the other way. With Ahadith, unfortunately, it was under the influence of Bani Umayyah for many, many times. Like uh, Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, for instance, advised all his followers that do not say anything bad about anybody or whatever. So you could see the environment for those Ahadith being under influence. So you cannot say that the Hadith is definitely right unless you go and think, I, not you, my brother, I am not studying, uh, I haven't studied in the Hoda, but I have been studying like 10 times more than one uh, somebody who spent four or five years in Hoda. There are so many ahadith. Look, you go in Sahih Bukhari and it tell, tell you this uh, hadith, Sahih and so and so, and also it's been narrated in such a book and such a book and such a book. And then when you go to the other such a book and such a book, you can't find it. Okay, so this is the truth. Let's keep to the... Keep, okay. keep, please. Now, the other thing about the Sakita was, is it election or selection? Okay, because I want to answer to see what happened. If the first Khalif was uh, selected, um, how come the, the second Khalif was uh, different? And... Uh, they all go back to disobeying Prophet Sallallahu when uh, um, the event of Qadir uh, Khom was ignored, totally ignored by all the Sahabi. 120,000 people were present in Qadir Khom and that is what the result Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Um, Mufti Sahib, do you want to yeah, respond uh, and say how this Personally, I don't uh, agree with you that uh, all the Sahaba disobeyed Prophet Sallallahu uh, I think that was the, uh, according to my opinion, that was the right uh, way to elect the Khalifa. And uh, that Sikifa Bani Saida was the first phase. And when they, when they went out in the masjid, then everybody gradually, you know, including Imam Ali, I think it's a very difficult claim to make that this was done to disobey the Prophet. Um, I don't, that's not my reading of the event, that this wasn't a purposeful event, uh, um, attempt to try and disobey the Khalifa. There was genuine concern, whatever the concern may be, maybe the concern might show a weakness within some of the individuals that were there. But I don't think it was done to disobey the Prophet, particularly as the examples were given that when the uh, a narration from the Prophet was mentioned, or the whole argument of legitimacy was based around either relationship to the Prophet or help to the Prophet, mm -hmm. then it's very difficult to imagine that those people were there to disobey the Prophet. W did they make a mistake? Did they get it wrong? That we're, that's what we're trying to understand. Uh, but the point also I want to mention is, was it the right way? It's very difficult to say it was the right way because even the people that were present, um, the second caliph himself mentions that this was Faltatan, like we, you know, and God saved us from the evils of it. So can it really be the right way if there was, with, he perceived, he saw that this had potential evil, it could have it had evil, but they were saved. Um, I don't think at all that it can be taken as a model, repeated, and I, don't, I think they, the early Muslims themselves understood that and hence did not try to repeat that model. Um, 
and I think that's an important point to make. But again, I don't want, I don't approach this with a ver I approach this in terms of seeing that there were weaknesses, as we mentioned, they were all human beings. Um, there were weaknesses and maybe how much of the understanding of the Quranic discourse or the Prophet's message might have sunk into them, all of them, um, equally. And this is not a joke, this might have been even amongst some of the Banu Hashim, we're not trying to exclude anyone here. Um, I think it shows us how those early companions were. And I think if we're going to learn anything, we should learn from, um, not necessarily learn how to do something, maybe learn how not to do something, or what to consider when making our action or particular decisions. Um, I think that's a more um, effective way to approach the discussion. Thank you. I think um, but first check Arif briefly. Oh. Just going on to Brother Taymour, the Quran does not have a verse talking about the designation of Imam Ali. And if it was such a huge issue that we are saying all the Sahaba disobeyed the Prophet, something like this should have been No, in Sakifa, if you're saying all of the Sahaba disobeyed the Blessed Prophet, then first we have to source it from the Quran. We have this golden principle that if any of my ahalith are conflicting with the Quran, reject those ahalith. On a note like this, we need to find a verse. Is there a verse in the Quran? Yes. There are so many verses in the Quran of Akti Yamun twice. We don't need the verse of doing that. Or Hazrat Musa's cow. Remember? One of those verses would have been taken out in the Khilaf of Imam Ali should have been put in. I'm just saying, from the antagonist perspective, it was something like that, right? So we can't call the Sahaba as disobedient. <coughs> These are the Sahaba who fought alongside Imam Ali in Jamal and in Sifin and lost their lives. Three, when Imam Hassan argued against Muawiyah, he did not say, my father made me the Khalifa. He said, the people who have the right to choose a Khalifa have chosen me as their Khalifa, to the extent that even Ibn Taymiyyah has had to admit that Imam Hassan was amongst the righteous Khalifa, according to the Hadith of the Prophet, that the Khilafah Rashida will continue for so many number of years. Oh, and the third argument is, mm. Imam Sadiq, when he was offered Khilafah by Abbas, he refused it. So if this Khilafah in that sense was incumbent upon the children of the Prophet and they had to accept it and Mala Yang Fak cannot be separated from the mansab of the Prophet's successor Imam Hassan Imam Sadiq would not have been in a position to refuse it. I think we need to think as Imama is something else and Khilafah is something else. And why was there election then selection the nomination? Obviously because there was no precedence in Islam for it. The incident shows us two pictures, mm. and there are two types of narration. One type of narration uh, which is contradict the life of the companion and the life of. Imam Ali, uh, Imam Ali and the Bunu Hashim. And another type of narration 
which not contradict their life. For example, the Yaqubi and Ibn Qutayba narration, if you believe in that narration, you have to accept that whatever Prophet Muhammad may peace be upon him did in 23 years, that's mean, Nauzbillah, he completely failed. And uh, the, the Quran and the revelation and all this struggle, the companions in Badr and Hanan and Uhud, all this was just for worldly life and to make a state and to become head of it. And after when the eyes of the Prophet closed, all of them, they was trying to get their place to become king and to become ruler. And when they see, Nauzubillah, that there is no son of him, then his daughter, the Prophet's daughter, tried for her husband to become ruler. This is one picture. And there are some other narration, uh, for example, the uh, Alama Ibn Jarid, Musa bin Akba, Behiqi, and Al-Bidai wa Nihaya, there are narration which says that the first place, as Mufti uh, Sahib uh, mentioned, that there was the first place, uh, the people, uh, they did uh, bear with uh, Sina Abu Bakr Siddiq, and in the second place, uh, uh, um, they did in the morning on Tuesday uh, in Masjid Nabui. And when Sayyidina Ali who he was informed that the bea is taking place, he uh, ran <coughs> and he did bea with uh, Sayyidina uh, Abu So, and the uh, the sixth month when he was uh, uh, unhappy and uh, he had grievances, so that's was because of Sayyidina Fatima Sayyidina Abu Bakr rejected her, her claim for the inheritance. So that was because of that, uh, uh, there was uh, grievances, there was no... Um, so these are two type of uh, uh, picture shows the different narration. So either if you believe the first narration, that means we have to accept that Prophet Muhammad who can fed. And the other narration, which says that no, Sayyidina Ali who he did bear with what he did for the Allah. Some comments? Yeah, um, thank you for your comments. The I don't think it has to be either of the two. Um, first of all, the Quran itself is quite explicit that many of the believers, many of the people that were claiming Islam, they had not yet got to the level of Iman, for example, or that many of them, their faith, did not. It was not accompanied with ta'akkul or tafakkur or tadabbur. Right? And these, this is addressing the Muslims of the time, not anyone else is talking about when it says that, um, that more, it says that they, the, even regarding the Muslims, it says that many of them have not yet correctly or properly believed or even after. These were in a community that were, they used to, um, when they used to, you know, then become faithful and then amen. What this kufr and iman means is something else, but we're not talking about a perfect community. So to say that this con is, it would contradict, um, I don't think it would contradict, and even the Quran is very explicit in that God is the only person that can forcefully change people. Even the Prophet cannot forcefully change people. The Prophet can do the best of his ability. Whether people accept that, that's up to the, uh, that's up to them. And this is not. We're, let's talk about we're not, what we're saying. When we're talking about the companions. Is that we don't have an image of the life of the companions before. The Prophet impacted them. For many of them, they become relevant and important to us after the Prophet impacted them. Therefore, we cannot judge the impact that the Prophet had on these individuals. Maybe even the very, what we might consider little that we see in them, 
might be a great advancement from where they previously were. So that's not enough. Um, and even some of the simple things which we might right now think are a given in society, simple etiquettes, if just putting those into certain people, regardless of how well they understand them, this itself can be a great achievement. So I don't think any of this really has to reflect on the success of the Prophet and in, his, in uh, fulfilling his mission. Secondly, the other issue, uh, the point about the Lady Fatima and whether Imam Ali, I think what, then we have to apply the same uh, principle here. Does that comply if Imam Ali has given his beta straight away and then stays in his house for six months? How does that, re does that, is that reflective of the rest of his life and how he acted and how he was? his previous life when he was with the Prophet. So if we're going to use the principle that we have to look at the, the narrations, do they contradict the life of the companions? We also have to look at this part. Is that is this something that makes sense for an individual to do? For the, and it's very important to look after your wife and care for her feelings. But then the whole Muslim Ummah right now is in a very, in its most sensitive state, extremely vulnerable. We can tell that what's happening here, very vulnerable. At that point, because of this issue, and it's particularly if it, 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 the right or wrong. If it's wrong to say, look, I, you, it's wrong. You know it's wrong. I know it's wrong. But right now there's big, greater issues. Was the whole Muslim Ummah a smaller issue than the issue of the Gardens of Qadaq or the Hadaiq al or whatever? Or uh, can we envision that from Imam Ali that for that reason he would remove himself from the Ummah? I think that is an all, uh, also a problematic stance to take. So I don't think it has to be either of those two possibilities with all respect. With regard to the statement of Mawlana Qiyamuddin, let me remind all members here, this is the academic discussion. We are not here to conceal something to concealing the realities. We have to be realistic because this is the time of the explosion of knowledge. We are here to solve the problem, what we are fighting outside, accepting here what are the realities. Remember last session, I think, uh, Maulana Qiyamuddin, you never attended. This question was uh, addressed. If you believe the Sahaba disobeyed, then the Prophet was failure. This is not a very simple statement. This is related to the previous Prophets as well. Because the Quran says, all previous prophets, Nabi Alaihi has been commanded to follow their uswa, the previous. In the case of the previous prophets, for example, taking the example of Sayyidina Musa Islam and his Sahaba, I don't say Ummah, the, the Sahaba. Two, two prophets were then Harun Islam and Musa, and they committed shirk. The question is here, was Musa al-Islam, Harun al-Islam, they failed? Big question. Nuh al-Islam and he worked more than 900 years. There was no result. Was he failed? In the same case, you can say, this is not the criteria to check the work of the, any prophet. Because, uh, and look at the Uhud, you know, the Sahaba and the more than four ruku Allah Ta'ala has revealed critical assessment. We have to be realistic here. And in the same way, وَيْزَارَ أَوْ تِجَارَةً إِلَيْهَا We have to be realistic, not concealing anything because we have to solve the problem. We are fighting. That's why I always said this is a part of my research work and the book. In terms of Sahaba, both Sunnis and Shia, they are wrong 
and their view, uh, sorry to say, both sides, <laughs> their view is not complying with the Quran. On the one side, there is negation, completely negation on Shia side. And uh, thank you, uh, Sheikh Arif Saab, and you try to keep the balance here. On the other side, exaggeration from Sunni side. Any Sahabi cannot make any mistakes. And what about the Uhud? And this is not the criteria that disobeyed Sahaba and Prophet was failed. This is related to ask about Musa al-Islam, two prophets, and they committed the shirk in front of the Prophet Hazur. Musa al-Islam was there on the tour and Harun was there. Yes. Concerning another uh, uh, narration, Hazrat Ali, uh, who he performed there immediately as you, because this is the only narration provided by uh, Imam At-Tabari on behalf of Saif bin Umar, who is Kazab. That's why all Aima they rejected. They, they, it, 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 it was not immediately. It was, uh, uh, this is not the thing which is established on behalf of Sayyidina. Thank you. I think this is something which Mufti Saab mentioned in his speech yeah. that this is considered amongst the Ahl Sunnah to be a very weak tradition. Um, so, you know, we've raised many, many important questions, but there's been one question waiting. So, this will be the final one, inshallah, and then we'll have some summary, inshallah. Sure. Assalamualaikum <laughs> It's not my akhida, it is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put out in the Quran. And that is, Allah ta'ala said uh, about one muhajir, Allah ta'ala was pleased upon them because they were pleased upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In that case, I believe from Rasulullah sallallahu first day, Khadija became Muslim, and then Abu Bakr, then Osman, Ali radiallahu Sa'ad, uh, they, all these 19 Sahaba, those who became Muslim, and all the Ashara Mubashara, and including the last person who took Shahada with Rasulullah to me personally, all of sin. In that terms, anyone can be Khalid. My understanding is not something argument. So, whoever became Khalifa, um, I believe all four deserve this position. Abu Bakr deserve, Omar deserve this position. Ali who of course, Osman as well. Because for all these poor people, there are many statements of Rasulullah This is about Abu Bakr status. If there was a Nabi after me, it should be Umar. But if you could, if you could keep it to the... So in terms of the, uh, you know, the uh, agreement of one person, all of them became Khalif anyway. So in terms of, if I agree about Amir Dilanho, this man or other, so what's the wrong? If we can agree on okay. I don't know if you have a specific comment about Saqifa, which has been our um, focus of our discussion. Shukran Jazeelan. I think, um, Mufti Sab, please. Huh? You had a comment. Huh? You can share with us. Huh? On behalf of Please. I could see a conversation, so it's only appropriate. Yeah. I'm closing now. I'm going to close after that.
Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Uh, I, I personally believe this issue of succession uh, in Muzaf to Ijtihad amongst, uh, my opinion personally, amongst the companions. Because if it was such a fundamental point, as Sheikh Arif said, Allah would have mentioned it in the Quran. There would have been clear, explicit evidences from the hadith. Uh, but I do believe that all of these conditions, for example, that Imam should be from Quraysh, all of these uh, arguments that I use, it totally contradicts the, the core message of Islam. Because Islam further developed and went out, you know, went to parts of Africa. So if we were going to say that the condition of a leader is that he has to be from Quraysh and not from an, uh, another tribe or another caste, it totally contradicts that concept that we made you Ummatul Wasta, we made you one nation, that we made you, you know, from one male and one female, and that there's no difference between you apart from taqwa. And I also believe that the epistemology was later developed. Mm -hmm. Two, three hundred years later, we have Imam Awardi talking about the, condition, the conditions of a Khalifa. These are the conditions, but what we do learn, and this is just one point of one question very quickly, is within Ahadah Sunnah, it's a massive difference of opinion. Hmm. We don't believe uh, that Abdaliyah is a condition of being a Khalifa. We reject that concept. It's totally rejected. Uh, and, and there's many evidences regarding that because there's a hadith in Abu Dawud in which uh, they said who, would, who, who should have been the Khalifa. And he said, uh, uh, Abdurrahman ibn Awf, one narration says. And then the narration says, Abu Ubaidullah should have been the leader. So that clearly shows within Ahadah Sunnah these people did not have to deal over Sheikhan. So it shows that we don't accept that view. Another point I would like to ask our Shia brothers very clearly to get a, a, a quite understanding. I read in Manaqib Limit al-Arba, Imam Baqilani says there is, a, there is a, a consensus amongst Shia scholars that leadership is based upon Imama. It should be connected. It cannot be separated. Political leadership and Imama. Can you just uh, clarify that for me, please? Uh, but that, I think we can continue debating uh, on yeah. this issue. Okay. I think that um, although you've asked a direct question, it was my intention to wrap up this oh, point. Sure. Okay. Um, so I, I think I will because I pushed all the other speakers to keep to time. So I have to also keep to time. Yeah. You know? But I think that um, there's something which, you know, we should be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for. Yeah, that we've heard many, many different views here. And we've also had very mature positions coming from different perspectives. Okay, and we're not here to agree on everything. Okay, so I think this first and foremost is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we have this opportunity and rich discussion. But I will still try and make some concluding comments. I've had the assistance from Dr. Khalid actually. Um, some things we have agreed upon from our presentations, bringing our discussion back to what we heard earlier on. And the focus being about this gathering of Saqifa, that the actual meeting itself was not pre-planned. Its outcome wasn't pre-planned. It was to a great extent disorderly. Okay, and the nature of this meeting okay, has been a contentious issue, accepted across um, across the board, but there have been certain important points of differences Despite that nature of the meeting for the Ahlul Sunnah is considered as a legitimate basis For the appointment of the first Khalifa We heard from the Shia perspective that it wasn't a legitimate basis For the appointment of a successor to Rasulullah Nevertheless, we've also heard amongst us Many points of, a, of agreement, and this includes these differences in terms of the nature of the 
event. We have agreed that there was a falta in this situation. We have agreed that the Banu Hashim were not present. The Imam Ali was not present. <coughs> and we have agreed subsequently that there was at least a functional acceptance okay, of the Khilafah by Imam Ali. We heard there was a dispute about the Bay'ah. Okay, amongst the Shias, there's some dispute. Functionally, there was an acceptance of the role of Hazrat Abu Bakr. And we've also come to an agreement, it seems to me, that Bay'ah, except even if there was an acceptance of Bay'ah, this doesn't imply any Afdaliyah. Okay, which again is something which has come out from the discussion, which shows this, the benefits of this format. We get the benefits of the, 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 the contributions and the discussions. In terms of going forward, the implications of this, we haven't had, despite some heated differences, there has been no sense that these differences lead to a difference between Iman and Kufr. Okay, and this is, I think, from a theological perspective, from both schools, something which is accepted. And unfortunately, it's something we have to remind each other. That despite the hardest of differences that we've heard, this doesn't amount to a difference between Kufr and Iman. We've also heard and hopefully agreed that despite these differences, there is precedent okay, for great, great cooperation, despite the differences. And this is epitomized in the practice of Imam Ali, Salamullahi Alayhi. And of course, another example which was raised during the period of Imam Hassan, Salamullahi Alayhi. So on that point, I thank our respected speakers. I thank you all for your patience and contributions. We will ask you, I know this is a burden, but please, your feedback is very, very important. Informal feedback that you give to Dr. Khalid and to myself. And of course, also your, an opportunity to give us your comments. What sort of discussions do you think is worthwhile to have in this format? And what sort of activities may we hold together okay, towards our common purposes of moving together for the sake of each other and for the sake of this ummah and for the sake of humanity at large? At that point, I will ask Mufti Saab to end with a dua, please, because we didn't hear his voice. So you can bless us with a dua, please, inshallah. must be here for dua. <laughs> Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen Wa la akubatu al-Muttaqeen Wa salatu salam ala ishraf al-Anbiya'i wal-Mursaleen Sayyidina Mawlana Muhammad Wa ala alihi al-Tayyibin al-Tahirin al-Mutahirin Subhanak Allah wa bihamdik Nashadu Allah ilaha illa ant Nastaghfirak wa natubu ilayk Subhana Rabbika Rabbil Izzati Amma al-Sifur Salamun al-Mursaleen Wa alhamdulillah Allahumma salam